10 to 1, episode 133, Wheel of Time, book 6, Lord of Chaos. less than two weeks later um and then it was posted september 21st on the sci-fi christian podcast of course i didn't want to post before them um and then we just had some uh, some different things come up so i'm only just now posting it uh if you already heard the wheel of time episodes on their feed then this isn't going to be anything different i don't think um but unedited so maybe a little slightly more in chronological order, and um, there might be some extra stuff depending on if you listen to uh, their extra episodes. Um, so that'll be next, and then next week I will post the second Wheel of Time episode that we did over on the Sci-Fi Christian, and then we will be back at the end of December uh, with a couple new episodes before we go into January and our regular January episodes. Um, So we will talk to you then. Of time, because, well, we love it, and I completely agree with you, especially after this, what we've reread so far. I think this series absolutely does stand the test of time. But we all know there's some things that that also bug us. Um, So do you have a particular Wheel of Time pet peeves? Well, of course, there's the main ones that people say about, uh, there's no, um, there might be a few good female characters, but if so, they're not main characters for the most part. And then, um, Did uh, you tug your braid while you said that? Yeah. See, I don't mind Nynaeve, uh, and we can get into this as we get, or we can talk about it now, uh, we could get into it with later books. But I feel that there's some growth with Nynaeve. She she definitely uh, learns to confront her fear and admit when she's afraid rather than just, uh, you know, acting like, no, nothing's nothing's the matter. And she, uh, she can admit when she's wrong. Uh, Elaine, on the other hand, I just, I hate that woman. And then I think oh, Birgitta is wow. a decent decent character but again she's not a main character i'd say she's probably the well her and Egwene uh are probably the best female characters overall best but Egwene is the only main character who's really given attention and well-rounded out i'd say yeah i i like Nynaeve uh and i i guess i would consider Nynaeve a main I mean, they cast a thousand, so I'm not sure where you draw the line for who is and isn't a main character, but she's close enough by my book. And I agree. I think that she she probably has the best female character arc in the series, uh, you know, going from just casually committing domestic abuse as she walks <laughs> around the two rivers at the beginning to actually being a, a very complex character. And she does so many cool things, too. 
Oh, yes, she does. And the coolest one we can't talk about yet because it doesn't happen until book nine. I know. Uh, but that, that'll be great. I can't wait to get there. So, um, so uh, should we get into Lord of Chaos then, book six? Or is there more preliminary stuff you wanted to chat through? Uh, I mean, nothing that I, that's really coming to mind. There's been a few times in in previous uh, previous book discussions where uh, even you as a wheelie, you got a few things wrong. Uh, but I didn't bother writing in because nobody likes to be told they're wrong. But I feel better just having told you that you're wrong. <laughs> uh, but I can't remember what they were. I, I don't feel like I'm wrong because you haven't given any evidence. No, what specifically? I, I think I was right. Yeah, so this is how all of the previous episodes went for me. Um, I I barely remember things like, okay, I remember that's a character. And then Ben says something and Melissa pauses the podcast and just turns and stares at me. and like, That is incorrect. Actually, on page 23 of the previous book, uh, this character appears in the inn. And uh, so that is why Ben is actually incorrect. Okay, we can play it again. Wow, that's... That's harsh, but I'll, I'll accept it from a fellow wheelie. You know, of all the different levels we have, so if we have a spectrum, and I, I think I'm, I'm willing to bow to your superior knowledge, Melissa, and then we have Matt, who's read a little bit and, and is now... Uh, caught up on Wikipedia. Caught up on Wikipedia, and we have Brian, who spent 30 seconds. But then there is one other character who we need to bring in at the other end of the spectrum, and there might be multiple people, but the one person I know of who has never read the series, but is listening to these episodes uh, devotedly is our good friend Alan Rainey. And I think what I want to do in like two years when we're finally all done with this is bring Alan on and have him recap the series for us, <laughs> such as he is aware of it after <laughs> listening to 15-ish episodes of Unwinding the Wheel of Time. Uh, so I don't, Alan, I don't think you have any clue what's going on, but I'm glad you're here for the ride, assuming that you still are. So moving into the actual book, and where I want to start with this is, as I, I like to go on when I'm reading books and rereading stuff and see, you know, what are my Goodreads friends thinking? And as we were rereading the series, uh, you, in your last reread, Melissa, gave Lord of Chaos a scathing two-star review. Wow. And uh, it was uh, it was quite brutal. I see you've upgraded that to four stars. Um, I will confess this is one of my favorites in the series. So I will take everything you say personally, but go ahead and uh, defend your two-star review. So, like I said, the last time I read through this three years ago, it was just back to back to back. And uh, by book six, we know that male channelers, uh, they use Sidene, and female channelers use Sidar. There's a glow that surrounds them. Men can't see it, but they get goosebumps when, uh, you know, to let them know that a woman's channeling. There's it's basic, basic stuff at this point. And it just seemed to so me yeah, that Jordan spent like four... I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong in two ways. So there's two arguments against this. Number one, you're, people are reading this in the pre-internet era. So they don't, they, you know, they're not on the forums and everything with all the other wheelies chatting through all this stuff. Number two, this is my trump card, though. <laughs> Matt, did you know anything that she just said? <laughs> uh, not exactly. Okay, thank you. 
But that's why he repeats because well, you and I have rereaded and we get it. It seems repetitive for a Matt Anderson. It's his first time. The counter argument is even if Matt read this one, he still probably wouldn't have picked up on on that. Well, exactly, but at least he has that in-the-moment reminder. I mean, that's the point of it, is that it's like, just uh, drop you in, and here's the reminder and everything. So if Matt Anderson is my my uh, Trump car unbeatable argument, the Matt Anderson argument, that's <laughs> defend Robert Jordan's repetition. Well, like I was yeah. saying, so I g- give me a chance to finish. So I was I was kind of fed up with it. Like, I, I personally went through, and I was like 400 pages in before... Before things finally started getting new information of where what's happening with the actual plot, and so I was kind of fed up with that in the book, and I just couldn't get past th- past that last time. But this time I remembered, oh yeah, he was writing these books like three or four years apart or or longer, and and people might not want to have to go back and start back at book one just to get caught up, and so they would, you know, he'd include all this information to sort of catch everybody up without having to go back to the beginning. So I, I cut it a little bit of slack. And uh, Yeah, and, and even now, like, rereading it today, where I've read the series before, I don't know about you, but I, I still find myself extensively looking stuff up on the Wheel of Time uh, wiki page. Well, and also for me, just jumping straight into book six, I found all that helpful. So that was another pass that I gave it. Yeah, I mean, the, the one... The thing I'll definitely agree with you on is that for better or worse, Robert Jordan is an author with some definite ticks in his writing style. Uh, some of them are the repetition. Uh, some of them are kind of endearing. I mean, I, I sort of love the uh, what I would would call and, and don't get too excited here, Matt, but I would I would dub it Little House on the Prairie Erotica, where it's like he's getting excited about somebody having a shapely ankle or a well. Uh, and, you know, there's some other things. Like, I don't need Nynaeve to tug her bright every two sentences. And, uh, you know, I don't need women to sniff every time they're they're upset. And so he does have some ticks that I think can be grating after a while. I should say, I mean, this is a good pause where no one else is talking. So I'm just going to say, in case listeners haven't read Between the Lines, I think we've said this in the past, I've read... The complete Wikipedia entry for this, so I feel very caught up. Can I just kick it off and just say something? Yeah, why don't you share your thoughts on this volume? Man, oh man, was I disappointed by Perrin's lack of involvement. Now, you warned me he wouldn't be in book five. You know what? Stop you right there. Uh, You don't get to gripe about how much a character is or isn't in the book when you only read the Wikipedia article. You, no, no, no. In you only whole... get to gripe or comment on high-level development. You don't get to gripe about how much this a is character... A high-level development. No, it's not. Parent, You're complaining the best that a, book wasn't, a character wasn't in the book enough when you didn't read the book. Well, I can tell based on the one and a half sentences that mentioned him on Wikipedia. Fine. Well, are you saying he was in the book a lot? Oh, he was he crucial. Not. Not. Yeah, he's not in the book. What did you say? I'm not he is in the book, you. and he was crucial in this book. What are you talking about? In the last third. Not though. until the very end. Well, right yeah, before, but... right, right when he goes and helps Rand. Yeah, things would have been awful without him. I know he is the best hero. Is, isn't that uh, his I, picture? I also want to say I disagree with you. Elaine is the best female, and Perrin's the best male. Uh, well, wait till wait till wow. the later books. 
That is a trash opinion. <laughs> and I think all wheelies would agree that that is a trash opinion. Like right, I can so... see Perrin being the best male character. Fine, I'll give you all... I won't cut your head off for that, but Elaine... It's a good thing uh, you're in a different state. Elaine. I n- I've never hated Elaine. Well, yet. Yeah. <laughs> you keep reading those Wikipedia. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I don't want to talk about the ending quite yet, but because the, the ending is absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. But there's so many good things before even the ending happens uh, that I just love in this volume. So some of my favorites... I know some fans don't like this, but I love Egwene becoming the uh, Amarlin seat. I love the Ashaman and the Black Tower. Um, I, you know, I love the whole tension with uh, Luce there and appearing in Rand's head. Really, for the first time, we get a few glimpses of it in Book Five, but that's always been one of my favorite dynamics of the book or of the series, rather. Uh, I just, to me. This middle set, four, five, and six, this is the best of Wheel of Time. Maybe up until the ending. Yeah, I could agree with that, uh, for the most part. There's some good stuff coming up still, but... Yeah, but, uh... one of the things I'm curious about is... I'm curious how these next books are going to play. Not so much seven, because I've always been kind of a fan of seven. But eight, nine, and ten, where things slow down... How that's going to play now that the series is over, because I think that part of why that was so frustrating was a the wait between books and then also b not knowing where things are are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any insight on that from your reread from a few years ago? Well, uh, the last time I read it, uh, the library didn't have book eight, which is one of the slowest. <laughs> so I. I'm interested to see how that one's gonna gonna play out for me. But wait, you skipped one of the books. I did skip because I couldn't get it. Oh wait, so you you read it a long time ago, but you haven't read it reread it recently. I haven't reread book eight recently. We, wheelie, wheelie status revoked. Got a reread. We're looking pretty good right now, Matt. <laughs> It's one book. We in this conversation. It's a whole book. It's like a thousand pages of politics. Well, okay. So I, I will confess, I have no memory of what happens. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm climbing down off my cross that you're trying to crucify me to. <laughs> we'll, we'll judge it when we get there and see how cr- crucial it is. But anyway, but you know, I, I keep. Uh, like, go ahead. I was going to say that uh, there there is definitely some politics already going on in this book, and I am enjoying them a lot more. Having already knowing where we're going uh, for, you know, in the latter books, uh, seeing how things are starting to shape up now, it, it makes me feel more satisfied that, okay, he did have a plan. That, like, there's one moment, especially when... Uh, Rand goes to uh, that school that he's building because he wants to try and leave something good behind him and not just, you know, destroy everybody. Um, he he goes to see Herod Fell and he asks him, would it work to, you know, is there any point to breaking the Dark One's seals? Because every time, uh, you know, he sees one of the seven seals of, of the Dark One's prison, Luz Theron starts ranting, break them, break them, must break them, you know? And so, yeah. so he asks him, and and uh, Harry gives some some cryptic information towards the end of the book. 
And you have no idea what it means. And he says, I'll explain next time I see you. And then, of course, you never see him again because uh, he dies. And so uh, you don't find out later, uh, much later, what all that little excerpt means. But it was great to know this time around and to see, okay, Jordan did have a plan uh, for his series even this far back. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously things that, that change uh, as the plan goes on. But yeah, I, I mean, and, and he even talked famously about how he always had the last scene written. And you know, that is, of course, almost entirely intact in the, the final version of Memory of Light. And I, I think that, like, you know, I remember when, when the series was coming out and being written and people would look at those slower books and say, well, he's just delayed opposite is probably true he had a plan and he was trying to position everything just so to be able to pull it off at the end i think he did yeah except that he did Did he well except that he what brian died wow he had to go there okay He, he went to the he went to the big uh white tower in the sky uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the other elements. Like yeah. I mentioned, the the things I love. What are your thoughts on Egwene as Amarlin's seat? I know some people don't like that. Well, I didn't like it the first time through, um, but I really love it now. I, I love that, that right from the start, she recognizes she has been set up just so that she can be a puppet. The Aes Sedai, yes. and the rebel Aes Sedai that split off from the White Tower. This is for your benefit, Matt and Brian. Um, so the White Tower has split, and the Rebels, they they feel that if they had an Amarlin seat, then that makes them feel more, uh, you know, like, more genuine instead of, like, no, we're the true Aes Sedai, we're not Rebels. Um, but they want someone they can control, so they take Egwene, who is only an accepted, she's not a full Aes Sedai, and they make her an Amarlin seat... Uh, and they say, well, not, you know, because she's Amarlin Seat, then she's full Aes Sedai, and so, uh, but they're basically just looking to control her. And Egwene, having spent her time with the Isle, she is very, very savvy. Also, she's gotten some backbone, and so she is not gonna let herself be pushed around, but she's also gonna make it look like she's being pushed around the better to pull everyone else's strings. And so she, right from the start, is already becoming a great Amarlin seat. She's manipulating oh. people without letting them manipulate her and without letting them know that she's pulling their strings. And I, th- I think when you talk about the politics in the book and appreciating that more this time around, that's where some of those nuances come in. I think if you if you don't have that view, it just looks like why would she become Amarlin Seed? It almost feels like a Mary Sue type thing, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. It, it's more complex than that. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I see. Brian has something he wants to say, so let him jump. Is this in. like a two popes situation? That's what I'm picking up. Hmm. You know. Repeat that. Two popes. Is that this? That's what's going on here? Like the, the, yeah, the split? Yeah, so I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because there is, it's a very interesting parallel to to Catholicism because I was thinking about that 
as I as I was reading it this time around, this is, of course, the first time I've read the series since becoming Catholic. And there is a really interesting parallel there, because with the Pope, I, the only requirement to become the Pope is that you are a male baptized Catholic. That's it. Like It always is a cardinal, but it doesn't have to be. And when I, you know, they were getting into some of the minutia of like, well, the Omerland seat uh, is doesn't have to be Aes Sedai to be raised, but it, once she is raised, she is Aes Sedai. Like that's almost the identical rules. Those are Pope rules. So uh, Jordan's playing by Pope rules here, which is <laughs> kind of great. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I, to me, that's part of also why this works because there is this sort of real world. A parallel to where you could find this kind of loophole. So if it doesn't seem believable that they would have this kind of loophole, well, not only is it believable, but it actually exists. Now, will it ever be enacted in Catholicism? Probably not in uh, our lifetimes, uh, in the modern uh, version of the church, but it's there. And you could see it's a similar type of thing for the eyes to die. It's there. Nobody even worries about it because why would that ever happen? And then you're essentially in apocalyptic, unprecedented times, and that's when something like that becomes relevant. Well, some of my other favorite things from this book are, uh, I think, the progression with Rand. So of the three main characters, Rand, Matt, and Perrin, I think he's uh, usually been my least favorite uh, it's still fine, but not like, I didn't love it every time it came to him. And so a whole book about him, I was like, oh, here we go again. The first time that I read it. But this time I feel like Jordan really did a lot of work on, on Rand's character progression and not that you, you just flip a switch and now suddenly he's gone crazy, going crazy and hearing voices in his head. But there's a lot of strain that Jordan has worked to show that Rand is under. So you've got all the pressure from trying to juggle all these nations that he's conquered and trying to conquer in an attempt to unite them. And of course, everybody's scheming in order to, uh, you know, do their petty politics, trying to just gain more power. Never mind that the end of the world is coming. They just want to be king for a day and hopefully longer if they can manage it, if they can just stab him in the back somehow. Then you've got the Aes Sedai, and they're all trying to control him one way or another, even the ones that are supposed to be on his side. Uh, plus, you've got the Forsaken running around, and they're trying to kill him. Then you've got, he can't even go home for fear of of showing favoritism. That's why he couldn't go to uh, the Two Rivers when it was overrun by Trollocs, because uh, uh, he... If he showed that he you know, he had a soft spot for his hometown, then they'd always get attacked and he'd never be able to focus on anything else. And uh, and then even when, like, uh, the Two Rivers girls come with Varen and Alana and he's so happy to see them, uh, even then he, he can't really unwind and relax with them because he's the dragon reborn he's a man who can channel now he's not just their friend from way back when uh and so there's that plus there's uh uh one of the main components about Rand, Matt, and Perrin is that they hate to see a woman get hurt or die and you'll see that crop up through the 
through the books time and again that they're very chivalrous. And uh, Rand, of course, uh, he has the maidens, uh, the, that sect of the Isle that, that follow him. They're, they claim that it's their, their right, I guess, to, to guard him most fiercely. And, uh, and they get offended if they're not allowed to die for him. If he'll, you know, go to whatever lengths possible to not let them die for him. And each time that they do is just kind of another, another snipping away at that, that, uh, that core personality of his. So I think Jordan did a really great job in this book of of showing all the pressure that Rand is under. Yeah, that scene you mentioned when the two Rivers girls show up with uh, Varen and Alana, it's just so good because oh, yeah. he shows up and it's like for a second, yeah. he's just Rand again. Mm-hmm. And then that just completely disappears when he has to be the Dragon Reborn. He has to be this and then you know and by the time he leaves they're all terrified of him uh Mm -hmm. it's such a good scene uh and i you know for Rand's character development i absolutely love loose theron just popping up in his head because Rand's not crazy yet but loose theron definitely is crazy and so it's just such a fun dynamic Mm -hmm. i think you have Rand, who's still, he's still with it. He's still together. You know, he has his moments, but there's nothing that says this guy's going to just go crazy. Uh, but Luce Theron is just off the walls nuts. And the fact that we're not sure, is this the crazy part of Rand? Is this a whole distinct personality? What is this with Luce Theron going on in his head? Luce Theron doesn't like him. He doesn't like Luce Theron. They're arguing. It's just, it, it's such a great dynamic. That I think it was just genius that, that Jordan put that in. Speaking of Varen and Alana, what did you think of that moment when uh, Alana bonds Rand? She, uh, she bonds him as her warder. That really annoyed me. Uh, especially against his will. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, did it annoy you that it, like, you're just like, oh, this part's bugging me, like the hair pulling, or did it, was it like... It was like, why? Why would you do yes, that? exactly. Man. And they bring it up that, that several times that that's essentially the in-world, uh, or not, well, I guess rape would still exist in the world, but like an equivalent of rape, essentially, to bond somebody against his world. Yeah, it made me angry. It's, I forgot that happened. Uh, well, she does it to try and <laughs> compel him. Yeah. To make him do what she wants him to do. They're trying to tie a, a leash around him. Yes. Yeah, I and that's, you know, we can maybe start talking about the ending a little bit, but that's part of why I just love the ending, because the Aes Sedai are so arrogant oh, uh, yeah. with how they, they deal with Rand, and just seeing them finally humiliated oh, by yeah. him is, is wonderful. Yeah, something else this book did was just finally really show how how awful the Aes Sedai are. So their ser- their name means servant of all, but they are bullies. Uh, they're used to uh, having powers and hunting down all the men who could channel. So they're the only ones who have any kind of magical powers. And uh, any and we've seen it before that any time that they couldn't like talk someone into thinking the, the, the way they 
thought that that person should act or or do, then they'd, you know, do a demonstration of the power and say, you know, it would be unwise to to go against the tower's wishes. And then the person capitulates and uh, or or they'll pick the person up with air or something like that and and just bully the person around. Uh, and they're they're used to people bowing and scraping and doing whatever they want. So it was kind of kind of great to see see them exposed as just being petty and trying to gain every little uh, advantage uh, to get any little scrap of power there with the the rebel Aes Sedai, and then uh, especially there at the end where Rand just humiliates them. It's amazing. It is. Uh, I, th- I think a good example of that before the ending is the whole mirror of mist scene where they show up in the palace. Oh, and, yeah. You know, they, yeah, they have the illusion set up to make them look like giants. And then Rand just reaches out and shatters that. It's so good. You know, speaking of mirror of mist, do you think Bowl of Winds is sort of a lame name? Uh, no, I think it's just fine. Okay. But I'd expect that type of backwards thinking comment from a non wheelie i agree well maybe maybe the bowl part maybe if it were like the plinth of winds i don't know or something like that tell me more about the bowl why why would you object to the bowl part when it is a bowl i know know, but like the chalice of winds come up with a slightly fancier the chalice isn't a bowl (laughs) those are two different things so change it from a bowl to a chalice yeah they could call it the basin of blowing, or the the bowl of because <laughs> <laughs> winds blow, man. You have a dirty mind. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think we'll move on from the bowl of wind. <laughs> so, w- one last thing I wanted to make sure we touched on before we talk about the ending is uh, the Black Tower and oh, yeah. the Mazarin Taib and, and all those dynamics. Uh, thoughts on on that development throughout the book? Well, I think. And I, I don't recall for sure, but I think this is the most that we're going to see of it for a while. Like, I think it'll crop up a little bit here and there in the next few books. Uh, but for the most part, we've we've gotten a really solid introduction to it, and then we don't see any more of it until right right at the very end. But the Ashaman play a role still. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, periodically. Um but I just, I loved it every time that Rand would go to the tower. And uh, here it starts off as just this nothing place. And it's just a broken down farm with like 10 men who are there to find out if maybe they can channel. And then next time he goes back, it's exploded to like 40 men. And uh, things are looking up. And then like the next time, uh, it's just it that you see them, you've got them forming ranks and all working together as as soldiers and it's pretty incredible yeah and then just wholesale slaughter of the shido at the end oh i know that's always right, kind of a sickening talk. part anything else you wanted to hit on before we get to dumai's wells i liked uh i, I wish there was more matt i i've mentioned before he's uh he's my favorite character but we're the almost first- to the part where he's really going to start getting good. Um, I mean, he's already gotten pretty good. But, uh, like, the moment where he's he's in Saladar and he's refusing to get bullied around by the Aes Sedai there. And uh, then he sees that how they're all treating Egwene. 
And so he, even though he's still upset with Egwene, he, he makes everybody around her show her some respect. And uh, that was just a really good moment. I'm relieved to hear you say that because for the last five episodes of Unwinding the Wheel of Time, I've had to listen to somebody talk about how much they don't like Matt. And uh, it's very upsetting because I, I think he's a great character. And first of all, hang on. I'm first still of all, speaking. it's unweaving, <laughs> yeah. uh, not unwinding. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Matt's basically just an errand boy. In this in this story, Rand just kind of sends him off to go do a little errand. What, what do you he mean has he's a bad, an errand boy? He's, he's, he's running the, the band of the Red Hand. He's got a bad attitude. That, you know, I tell you, you have a bad attitude. He's not the only <laughs> Matt with a bad attitude. <laughs> Well, I will agree, Matt does tend to be a little grumpy sometimes. Uh, Matt from the book, of course. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, but that's part of what makes him fun. Right, and well, I, and he's I usually having to... The red hand. Yeah, and he's usually having to uh, try and take care of fool women who are risking their fool necks. Exactly. Which is how Jordan puts it, yeah, and it's pretty apt, so, actually. I could have said that. And watch, I'll say it now. No. Women. <laughs> We're, I was just pointing out that Ben couldn't describe them as fool women. So uh, I guess in that sense, it's good to have a female voice here on these episodes. Exactly. If it was needed. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I only read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> All right. Do my as well. Okay. I, so much great stuff here. I love the, the lead up throughout the book, how Jordan sets the table for this of we kind of have the eyes to die count of there's six here. Now there's eight. And it's like, we know we're creeping up to this 13, uh, uh, unlucky number. And then the fake out of having 13 in Camelin, and then he leaves. And that's not where the trap is. The trap mm-hmm. is o- actually over here in Carrion, And it's so well set up. And then when it happens, like the last chunk of this book, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I so I'm listening to it, and I typically am only listening when I'm doing yard work or driving or biking. On Saturday, when I finished the book, I finished my bike ride, and I still had like an hour left, and I just sat there and listened to the rest of it, because it's like, you can't put it down for this section of the book. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So this is like a Deathly Hallows, but there's 13 but instead of 3. Is that what this is? I'm contributing. <laughs> I've only read the Harry Potter once, so I don't know. I haven't read them at all. So. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like a Deathly Hallows to me. <laughs> yeah, so for Brian's sake, uh, there are some, some Aes Sedai who come from the Tower, uh, not the Rebel Aes Sedai. And they are there to ostensibly... Uh, offer the the tower support to Rand, and they hope that he will accompany them back to the tower, which of course he has no intention of doing, and so he's kind of been putting them off and so forth. Finally, he has another audience with them, and the second time they bring uh, a bunch of chests, the first time they'd come, they'd held a lot of gold, and he was like, oh, they're going to try and buy me off, and so forth. And then the second time, he sees the chest. He's like, more money? Come on. Uh, but it turns out uh, that uh, those chests are there to transport him out of the room. Uh, and they, some of the some of the women that were were there 
uh, carrying the chests in. They were they had their their faces averted, so he couldn't tell that they were Aes Sedai. But there's enough there to capture him. So they sneak him out of the castle, and then uh, eventually they're able to escape the city. Uh, so you can had... tell their Aes Sedai from their eyes. No, you can't. Well, he discovers their Aes Sedai once uh, he's not able to break through the shield that, that they that placed. Seems a little on the nose. He's focused on other things. What, because eyes and eyes? Yeah. Two different spellings of eyes. Yeah. And uh, I think you're showing just how much of a non-wheelie you are right now, yeah. actually. I'm still lost. Uh, yeah. most thanks eyes for the try on the explanation. Most eyes to die, after a while, they get like this ageless look on their face. Um, and that's a, a result of having sworn the three oaths on the oath rod. And then there's the other important thing you non-wheelies need to understand is that 13 is like for... It's an unlucky number. Parts. It's an unlucky number, uh, but you probably didn't need me to tell you that part. Uh, it's uh, But it's particularly unlucky for male channelers because they, no matter how powerful a male channeler is, and like Rand is off the charts, they can be blocked by... 13 women 13 women can subdue any 13 women no matter how weak they are can subdue can block a, a male channeler from the true source you're saying definitely any fantasy who, are, who, who don't have eyes and eye powers any 13 eyes and eye powers yeah oh, or okay. enchanters because they wouldn't have to be eyes to die i think we just confused it more anyway rain gets captured <laughs> And, and I, uh, the 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 visual scene I love the most is when you know Perrin realizes Rand is captured, and then he's recruiting. He's got Ruark and Bane and Shiad and Gaul and mm. Loyal's got an axe, and Jordan just describes the scene of them marching through the city on their way out to go catch up to Rand. And you can just almost see, like, the slow motion. They need an explosion in the background that they're walking away from, even though that wouldn't make any sense in the story. But it's such a cool moment, because it's like, it's going down now. It's they're going to go hunt down Rand. Well, and I actually was thinking the opposite. It's it's sort of uncool, because I guess you're talking about once they get out of the city, right? Because once, as they're well, walking they're through the city, city, the city is partying. It's like... Uh, I don't know anyone. It's, it's the day after, or the day before Lent, I guess. Or, or Mardi after, Gras. Yeah, it's yeah, Mardi Gras is, is what, what it is. That's definitely not Little House on the Prairie erotica taking place in Carrie that day. It's a, it's a wild time. Yeah, and so they're off on this super grave mission. The fate of the world depends on it, and they're having to push through all this. It's, uh, it's anything but solemn. It's kind of funny. Oh, I guess we had two different mental pictures in our heads. <laughs> we'll see which one the TV show goes with. Oh, I know. I'll be upset if they for laughs. Uh, but uh, just everything that happens then from when they get up and there's already this massive battle taking place between mm -hmm. the Aes Sedai and the Shido. And then, you know, I love the whole mental thing going on where Rand and Luce there and figure out how they can uh, escape, but only if the eye, enough of the, the eyes to die holding them are distracted. And then they do, and the box exploding, uh, you know, Rand shields unintentionally, not just shields, but severs several eyes to die around him. It's such a great uh, sequence in that last battle. 
Well, I liked even the build-up before that. Like, you've got Perrin marching away from Kyrian, and he's not been able to summon a very big force. And even when he reaches out and the wolves say they'll help, uh, you know, help free Shadow Killer, that's their name for Rand, um, they still don't have enough. And you learn that, you know, with the Shaido that have joined up to the, the Tower Aes Sedai, uh, it's just an absolutely massive force that would just smother parents. And then little by little, uh, you've got uh, the Camelin Aes Sedai. They come and join, uh, join up, and they've brought the two rivers bowmen with them. Uh, and it's all just kind of all these threads that are being pulled, whether by, by Rand or by Perrin, by accident or by coincidence. Uh, but it all meets up, and uh, and then I think the only thing I'm unclear on is is how did Mazram Tame uh, figure out where to go, and and you know that they needed to bring a bunch of Ashman. Yeah, I was wondering that myself, and I perhaps there are wheelies out there who know the answer, so I don't want to say there isn't an answer. But Rand, like once he's out, Perrin says you know, get us away from here, make a gateway. And he makes the point that unless you know exactly where you are and where you want to go to, that doesn't work. So how does Mazram Taim know exactly where they are and how under those rules to make a gateway? On the other hand, Taim is very adept at making gateways. We know that from his recruitment of the Ottoman. So that, that, that could be a part of it, but I, I wasn't clear on that either. But I, I'm glad he was there because he does get the line of the series to close out the book outside of the epilogue. Yeah. You know, you get, like, you know, all these eyes to die were so arrogant and have kidnapped Rand to do this and just that kneel or you will be knelt. It's so good. It's one of the best moments of the whole series. Yeah. So who's your favorite of the, the false dragons? Uh, Mazram Tame or Loghain? I mean, it's got to be tight, right? It's like we haven't seen Loghain do much of anything right now, so maybe he'll he'll get it in the second half. Yeah, well, he so just far, got healed. That. Yes, yes, he did. Which that's that's another thing we we you know. So there is a ton that happens in this book, and mm-hmm. Nynaeve rediscovering how to uh, heal people who've been severed is huge. Well, I don't think it's ever been done. I don't know about it rediscovering. I don't think anybody able. Been able yeah, to I think do you're before. right. Actually, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not rediscovering. She figures out how to do it, and then Swan's back, and Liana's back, and uh, but they're not. Yeah. So um, it never says, but I think for them to be full, at, back at full strength, I think a man would have to heal them. And like later okay. on, I, later on, I think there is a man who does figure out how to heal. Uh, severing or stealing, I guess it's called in women. Um, but uh, I think it's got to be the other gender has to heal you if you're going to be back to full strength. Ah, uh, that makes sense. But that's just my hypothesis. I don't think he ever actually states that. Well, you know, part of being a wheelie is having good theories that maybe aren't explicitly laid out, but but makes it's sense. Great. Is there anything else you wanted to cover in this volume before we we talk about what's coming next and move towards the wrap-up? No, I think I covered everything that I want to talk about. What about you, Brian? 
I know there were I mean, a few things. The book, the book covers. I think we need to talk oh, the about book the book covers. covers. So you said you were looking at the book covers. Were you looking at the original? Yes. Like, yeah. So Lord of Chaos has a terrible cover. <laughs> I know. It's got a monster, a flying monster on there that never shows up. Yeah, and then uh, not only that, but Rand looks like he's on a romance novel. He's got his shirt like half unbuttoned. He's showing a lot of chest. He's got women running at him, and it's it's just weird and uncomfortable. Oh, that's Rand. That's Rand. That is Rand. That's that's our guy. His shirt is really puffy. He has very broad yeah. shoulders in that one. But you know, I I do have to admit. Uh, and and I'm going to sound a little like Matt Anderson here, uh, that I do have a soft spot, even though I know it's not good for <laughs> 90s fantasy art. Like and and where my dad would read a ton of fantasy, so he had all these books, and I remember like looking at the covers and just thinking they were the coolest thing ever. And you know, then as an adult, you look at them and say, oh, that's a little bit corny. Um, uh, and that's definitely the case with this. I will say, of the original covers, uh, it might be one of the weaker books, but Book 8, Path of Daggers, has a great cover with Rand leading his army, and he's on a horse. And, like I legit love that cover. He's got the crown of swords around his brow. Yep, yep. It's I, I think that one's terrific, but uh, several of them, uh, you know... We're high on cheese. He's you got the Asian about... army behind him with the uh, <laughs> yin-yang flag. No, that's the symbol of Aes Sedai. That's the symbol of the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, because the I, modern Aes Sedai just have the white. They have the white teardrop. Uh, and, but, and then they have the white tower, black tower, the whole yin-yang, but not a yin-yang. I know it's a, a little bit confusing. It does look like he just stopped by... Uh, Japan to recruit some samurai, but there is actually an in-world reason why he has a, a yin yang behind him. Is it called a yin yang? <laughs> y- yin. I think it's yin yang. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> just, I feel like it has a different name, but no, yin yang. Okay, I've got to stop saying that. I just word. I wanted to point out that there are there's a a strong theme of bats. Throughout all the covers, so that oh, yeah. there's a hidden meaning. Car, yeah. No, it's hidden. It's not explained. You don't have an explanation for it. The Dracar. This is a new thing that I've found. Please enlighten uh, us. Well, I'm sure we'll find out by the end. But there's something with the bats. I think they're secretly the secretly evil. <laughs> they're not secretly evil. They're definitely evil. Explicitly evil. I mean, it's pretty uh, subtle from if you look at the cover. You barely notice them sometimes. If you want to call it something else, it's also called the Tai Chi symbol. (laughs) Sounds better than the Yang Yang. Yeah. So there you go. I appreciate that contribution. You're welcome. Glad you were here. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Well, like I already mentioned, uh, Perrin and Matt, and I'm uh, I'm also happy that Egwene got her got what she had coming to her in a good way. You know, she she's shown some leadership uh, abilities already so far, and. Glad that uh, we saw that happen here in this book. Uh, Rand, I mean, still just not as powerful as I'd like him to be. Not as uh, He's confident. the most powerful person in the world. Uh, yet he allowed himself to be, become a ward. I forgot how you say that. Oh, verb, he but wasn't given a choice. Exactly. Uh, 
I mean, what 13 else? women. I mean, I think The Rock could that's fight a, off 13 women. I that think didn't uh, happen. Schwarzenegger could fight off 13 women. Oh, that's right. Any 13 women. So what else? I guess for me to be happy in future Wikipedia reads, I want to see a lot more Perrin, uh, a lot less Matt. Uh, don't I don't really care about all the people that are like, uh, you know, in this book, for example, for example, uh, uh, Swan Sanche, she uh, she yeah, gets her powers back. She does. So do a couple of the other people. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of cool. Um, but again, do we even like them? I didn't really like them before. So am I happy with this? I don't know. Did it take you to read the Wikipedia article? Uh, it took me less than seven minutes. Yeah, I, I made the right choice. I made the absolute right choice. Uh, but you know, I guess what I'm looking forward to is learning more about the um, the battle of the the Dumai's Wells and what that really means that, that we saw here in chapter fifty. What do you mean more about it? We've well, seen we've the whole seen battle. It, we've seen it in chapter fifty-five, of course. But what does it mean, really? And what do you, know, you think was, it means? I was also interested in how the what, fact. What, what, well, let me just what say meaning this. are you missing? It uh, was all there. I also thought, interesting, that they decided to have book six be the first time they have an epilogue. What did you think of the epilogue? Well, you know, it was short. Got a lot done. Why do you think he waited six books to finally throw out an epilogue? Didn't need one. Just like I'm going to write another book. <laughs> but I guess that's how he felt like he needed one. Matt, you know, the, the point... prologue is ungodly long, too, oh, in this yeah. book. That's what Melissa was saying, right? Matt, the point of Dumai's Wells is that now Rand will never trust another Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. As he shouldn't. Yeah. All right. I think we're all on the same page. <laughs> as far as, as, far as next, my original plan at this point was to actually pause and have us read the big white book, uh, also known as the world of Robert Jordan's wheel of time. Uh, it's totally up to you if you want to read that, or we can go right on to book seven. Uh, I think we'll have to go on to book seven. You can read uh, the big white book after I leave, but I've got to leave in about eight oh, minutes. Not right. Not tonight. Oh, <laughs> not, not tonight. Oh, yeah, no, oh. No, I meant, yes. I meant as far as what our next reading book would be. Well, is this like a, a book? It's like it's an in-world like reference. reference. reference it uh, includes a lot of good information on like the Forsaken and what happened to Luce Theron, and there's a lot of interesting history in it. If you've never read it, Melissa, it's worth reading. Okay. Um, but totally up to you. So do you want to do that next? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of... Brian thinks I, I should. Okay, let's do that next. I actually read it just a few months ago. Oh, um, bother. <laughs> so That's will, why uh, you're so keen on it, because your slate is clear. I am right. trying to read that's 100 right. books this year. <laughs> this one's short. You can get this will be good for you. It, it, uh, you can get through it very quickly. Um, well, we can chat a little bit and make our plans offline, but if we do go on to book seven, then I do need a pause because I'm listening to another book right now. Uh, so I need like a, a, a month and then I, I'd be ready to start listening to book seven around early October. All right. Uh, but we can chat a little bit online and figure it out. But thank you for unweaving. Yeah. Wheel of time with us. Thank you for bringing a good attitude. <laughs> uh, it's a refreshing change from the previous five well, episodes look of this series. Go ahead and start reading book seven, because I think it's pretty clear that I'm the faster reader of the two of us. Uh, I'm the I, no, one that's, that's irrelevant. I'm listening 
listening to it. I know, I, but I, I've I, got the physical copies, so I can spend. You know, I can devote full uh, full times to speeding reading, speed reading it. All right. Um, well then, but start I'll the go big ahead. I'll go ahead and start on the white book, and we'll do that one first. And if you happen to finish uh, Crown of Swords before I do, then uh, that'll just be a good feeling for you. It, it sure will. But I'm, I'm not going to... I have like 30 hours in my current book I gotta get through first. So uh, it'll be a few weeks. But sounds like a plan. Well, thank you, Melissa and Brian. We, you, you guys are our favorite cozers, and we're so glad <laughs> to have you unweaving the wheel of time with us. So I'm going to hit the music, guys. Don't hang up. Everybody, thanks so much for joining us here on the sixth installment of Unweaving the Wheel of Time. That's all from here. I'm Ben. I'm Ben Ivono. And thank you to the cozers. And, uh, we- And we're off. That music is really long when you stop talking. Listen, <laughs> this is why you need to do the hosting duties, man, because when I take over, I say things like you're my favorite coach. <laughs> it just sounds weird. No, my favorite thing is when you're like, couldn't it just be called like the bowl of blowing? <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I didn't I think about what I said until I after you. I said it. I believe you. But after I thought about it, it was really funny. Uh, uh, that was bad. Uh Kozer, did you have a favorite part of the show? Uh, Melissa, what, did you have a favorite part of the show? That's not a good sign. No. I mean, it's kind of weird to, to just step- finish recording. It's like, <laughs> do you see your guests? You, you, you've had people over, you see them to the door. What was your favorite part of the evening? <laughs> uh, she when just tackled I... a child off, off camera. So. When Des and I leave a, a party or like a family supper or something, on the way home, we always debrief. So we talk through mm. best parts of the conversation, most awkward parts. Do you guys do that? No. I don't know if we... Okay. I definitely think through stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I really... Uh, yeah. Yeah, we deb- we go into a full debrief. Mm. So. Oh. That's a... That, that make, uh, I don't ever want to do anything with you guys now, because that <laughs> makes me very uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> that joke that Ben told was really appropriate, wasn't it? <laughs> That's basically what it would be. Uh, the the yin-yang was pretty good, I guess. That would be my favorite. I don't have, you know, yin-yang, yin-yang, it sounds the same. To- oh, speaking of yin-yang, Matt, did you ever check out that, that website that I sent you? The Fukushima Starship website? Oh, you have to... I'm going to load it up right now, and you have to tell Ben about this. This is hilarious. Ben, you've got to check this out. Send me, actually, um, I have it on my text, so just send it to me in our little um, okay. chat. Just Google it. It might come it's up on specific. Google. I don't know. There it is. All right, so I'll give Ben the background story to this. Because, I, I mean, I referenced you guys in our conspiracy episode. Oh, it does come up on, it comes up on DuckDuckGo anyway. It probably does come up yeah. on Google. Um, I mean, so you remember f- Ben how we top five conspiracy and about two weeks after they did top ten conspiracies? I do. And you remember how I used their podcast to kind of get yeah, my yeah, brain going? Yeah, totally ripped it off. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Uh, so 
uh, we slipped in our own conspiracy theory that we just made up when we were doing our list. And as far as I know, nobody nobody called us out on it or caught it. So maybe nobody was oh, listening. Brilliant. That is brilliant. But then he took it to a, another step, basically. That's true. I've been, I created a, uh, a cheesy conspiracy theory website. Um, it, was, it was the a pleasant evening's work. So you should you should go it's, check it it's, out. It's uh, Fukushima spaceship conspiracy fact. Yes, yep. conspiracy fact. Oh, I, I, <laughs> that's amazing. Because is this you in the picture? Because you look Asian. No, I found a. <laughs> found an Asian. You used a little like me. Without their fluorescent. I found one that was. Uh, uh, what's my deal? Public domain. So it's okay. Because he does kind of look like you. I mean, with the mask, you can barely tell the difference. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, and by the way, so, you know, while we were recording, I noticed that Seth Heasley, our friend, put up this comment in our top five books episode. Uh-oh. Let the record show that Matt was right about Melissa's mic. Now I think I'll listen to it on TTO uh. and see if Matt was just too lazy to get decent audio from Brian. <laughs> so. Oops. Sorry, I, Matt. I, here, here we go. Let, let's just go ahead and get into this here then. I listened to their audio to try to decide, should I use theirs? But, you know, as it is on this episode that people are currently listening to, because we're on Skype, uh, the people that are recording it, Ben and myself, we have priority. So your voice, Brian or Melissa, you guys will sometimes be just cut out a little bit. And and you can hear that as you're listening to the episode. Well, I can't post an episode on our feed where you and I are cut out by our Why don't we get a, a better solution than Skype? Like Zoom? No, I don't like Zoom. Like Teams? Yeah, Teams works well. Really? Teams? Yeah. Do you want to get on Teams next time? I've been using it for work like crazy. Yeah, te- I've never had issues with, with uh, audio like we do. Really? No, Teams oh. works great. All right, let's, try let's ditch Skype. Next hey time guys. we do a movie episode. Hey, guys, I got to go, but it was a great episode, and thanks for letting me unweave the wheel with you guys. Yeah, thank Melissa. you for coming. All right, well, we'll hang up on you guys. Next time, Teams, Ryan. Sounds good. Oh, I do have a quick update for the... Uh, software backup or the uh, the episode file backup so i can't hear the extra episode it was a big i did <laughs> i was listening to it while i was updating the backup so that was fun i guess update um so i can't uh so i use um backblaze for for backing up which i recommend they're really good um but i it's a it's a backup service not a file sharing service so if it's over, I forget, like 500 gigabytes, I can't, I can't share a folder with you. Um, so that is out uh, to just send you, send you that folder. But, 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 uh, Matt, have you heard of the Internet Archive at archive.org? I think you've shared it with me where it shows what old what websites used to look like. Yes. Yeah. They back up the Internet. They back up the entire Internet. Um like every six so months or you're something basically saying that it's safe because if at any point it was posted it's still it's up there somewhere well no no for this for audio this it, this would be a i would go do this uh specifically um they've got a bunch of podcasts where people have gone and uploaded audio they let people um upload uh things that are um uh, of interest i guess so books video audio uh, so for audio it's things like um librivox the people that uh, just go read books 
um, really low quality audiobooks that you can get for free and uh, podcasts and things. So my idea would be I would have to I'd probably have to fix some of the metadata because uh, there's some inconsistencies with some older episodes. But I'd go through and and upload that to the Internet Archive and you'd then have a public backup. How do you feel about that? And just put it on a jump drive. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that sounds like a better plan, actually. <laughs> Fine. Send me a jump drive. I mean, that seems like a ton of work. But I could just send you a $30 jump drive. And then safe. It's a click and drag either way. But this way, I don't have to go to the post office. Exactly. Let me think about it. But that does seem like a... a Why valid... would you think about it? This is This is the... This is the I same like, amount of work, and this like is way better. This, this shouldn't be this. your decision. It should be Brian's <laughs> decision. This is clearly a better option. We'll talk offline. He always gets on my case, Brian. <laughs> it's hard to have a conversation with you with, with Ben also yelling at all of my choices. I just, you, you know, make better choices. <laughs> uh, but no, this seems like a possibly good option. Okay. I think I did. I think I want to talk to you more about what it is, and then we'll we'll go from there. But I kind of just sure. like to have something, sure. like I've always been saying. This is the pro. Can I just say, and Brian will appreciate this, even though he won't express it. When when non technical people say they want to have a conversation with you, so they can understand it better, <laughs> yes. that is the worst thing that you you ever can hear. <laughs> like that is literally the worst sentence a technical person can hear. Why is that? So just because. It, like the way it's gonna go is technical person says a lot of stuff and non-technical person says huh clearly <laughs> indicating they didn't get it and now you've wasted everybody's time i won't waste your time brian i'm i'm a non-time waster what uh why remind me why you weren't going to download these and put them on a thumb drive me yeah me personally yeah, yeah you're yeah. saying well but I don't have them. Like, where are they for me to download? That's why I don't even know where that. Like, where would I even do that? Yeah, I, I, can, I can give you the location. Yeah, that of your actual files. Actually, now that we're talking that through, I think where I thought we left things is you could give me a a oh like a login, and then I'll just take them off of that. Right, and I had thought of doing that for from my backup, but I would probably just send you the actual location of your actual podcast files that everybody downloads through their podcast players and you would download from that. Wait, is that where I put the things? That, is that where I'm sticking things? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I already have access to it? Yes. <laughs> Why didn't you guys just tell me that before we did a whole episode? <laughs> I, I've i been trying to tell you. I don't so, know where anything is. is. The worst, <laughs> the worst conversation I've ever been a part of. I mean, I'm the one that puts them in that folder. <laughs> so you're saying I could just get them from there? Yeah. All of the episodes. They're all there. Are we sure? Yeah, they're all there. Because I thought, I I thought we need to said, record news. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure they're all there. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So you're basically saying conversation. you're basically saying the place that I put things <laughs> is where I can get them from. Yes. If that's the case, then I thought they had some, but not all. Like I know, I just was looking at it today, for example, and I think it goes back to like. 600 or 500 it doesn't go all the way back does it it is so that you changed how you were naming files so they're in a different order at some point but but scroll around no, i think no, no. they're all in there record news yeah i'm on there right now episode 587 is the earliest episode i can see oh nope oh wow 
<laughs> okay, well, I mean, I see a lot now. I still don't see one, two, and three, but I see 104, 105. Okay, there's a lot here. Okay, I think we might have just had a breakthrough, Brian. Sure sounds like it. Cool. I think we might have just solved this problem. Perfect. Sort of. My favorite, my favorite text 